0: January 6th. The mainstream media calls it an insurrection. Others just say it was a patriotic protest. We'll discuss it with someone who was there. Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn.
1: I'm Stephen Horn.
2: I'm Charles Churchill.
3: And I'm Joshua Horn.
0: Stephen's been working on a documentary about what happened on January 6th. Because there's a lot of things that even though it's been discussed a lot, there's a lot of things that people don't know much about it. About how it actually switched from being a protest into a riot, that there were people that were lit on fire, that actually protesters died that day. So what kind of things are you trying to get people to understand through your documentary?
1: Well, I would like people to understand some of the nuance and some of the facts of what happened there. Because too much of the the coverage and the stories around January 6th are just you know, exaggerated to the point of hyperbole, whether it's about Trump supporters trying to overthrow the government, or it's about completely peaceful protesters being attacked by the police. You know, the, the truth is is somewhere in the middle, and I want to try to get people to, to understand the precise facts.
0: So you've talked to me about this before, just that that when you were there that day, that you could sense that a riot was about to break out. So can you describe that or, or how did you why did you think a riot was about to break out
1: yeah it was more that when I was coming from the ellipse where they had Trump and the other speakers you know I was, I was going towards the Capitol and before I even reached the Capitol and I was still walking down Pennsylvania Avenue I could sort of like you said sense that that you know a riot or something was happening and i I don't even know what it was because I wasn't close enough to see any of the stuff that was happening at the Capitol, or even you know hear the flashbangs or, or
3: the tear gas going. So off. were the
0: flashbangs going off by then?
3: Yes. But, but so what? Wouldn't a lot of people say, well, obviously they were just going to go try to break into the Congress building. So obviously you could sense because everyone was there going to go do that.
2: Right. They they left right. They left the rally with the intent to riot, is what is a lot of the narrative that I've heard.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't know what I was. It wasn't like I was hearing people say, "Oh, let's go break into the Capitol," even though some other people in other places did say that. So I don't, yeah, I don't know what it was that I could sense, but I think it's sort of uh, a subconscious thing where you're you're picking up on the you know small maybe body language and stuff like that of the people around you.
0: Because you've sensed this at other times that you've been in riots since that's your hobby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if I would call it my hobby, but yeah, I've covered uh, much smaller riots or or uh, violent demonstrations, you know, here in, in Raleigh and Durham and North Carolina, and sort of sensing the same. I would I would call it energy, but yeah, where you just sort of sense that this is this is the mood of the crowd,
0: and obviously, there's a big shift between when people are protesting even when they're protesting angrily and when they break out into a riot because there's more of a a group movement with you get with a riot than the the protest and so um clearly that would indicate that they weren't all peaceful protesters So they rioted
1: yeah i would i think it's more of a of a spectrum where it's you know maybe you start out with just oh i'm going to be completely peaceful and then there's well, I'm still just protesting, but I'm pretty mad. And then, you know, you start to get into more. Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'll knock over a fence or something because I'm angry. Maybe, maybe now I'll push a police officer until you get up to higher things. Like, oh, I'm get taking a Molotov cocktail and setting a car, setting a building on fire, or you know, using using weapons, guns, even. That's pretty extreme.
3: Because I mean, normally, I mean of all the riots that there have been over all the years, it's not always people planning ahead of time, here's what I'm going to do. So, Or sometimes there's a small group of people who are planning to try to incite something, but of the people who are participating, most of them didn't go there planning to, you know, attack stuff and destroy stuff.
1: They Basically, they had, you know, a couple barricades at the end of, you know, the pathways, because... You know, the Pennsylvania Avenue sort of ends at like a roundabout called the Peace Circle and then you know there's a path around Capitol Ground, which is like a giant sidewalk. So they had, you know, they had barricades up there, and then they had, you know, sort of this like green mesh fencing around most of the grounds. So it was blocked off. So there's so it was after, you know, people a couple of people sort of led an attack on the police there. They pushed the barricades out of the way. You know, one officer got knocked to the ground, had a concussion. Um, So then the police retreat back much closer to the actual building. But the thing is, the number of people present there, you know, is a few hundred, maybe a thousand, compared to at the ellipse, there are still tens of thousands of people, possibly hundreds of thousands, depending on, you know, what count you go with. So the people, so when Trump finishes speaking, that's when much more people start coming over. So when they arrive, A lot of people have removed the barricades and the fencing and the signs indicating this is a restricted area. So a lot of those people who are coming over from the Ellipse, they were at a protest. You know, maybe it wasn't entirely peaceful in the sense that they were angry, but it was peaceful in the sense that it was nonviolent. They come to the Capitol and then the police are, you know, throwing flashbangs and hitting people who, you know, were not part, were not present at that sort of initial violence and attack on the police line.
3: So were those initial people who were fighting with the police, were they there to cause trouble then? It's hard to say their motives, but if you push, you know, a barricade
1: out of the way and walk up to the police line and start yelling at them and, you know, turn your hat backwards and get ready to square up with them, and then other people are pushing the barricades. It's like, well, did you go there with the intent to do that, or did you decide to do that when you are already there? I don't know.
3: Well, but they weren't incited, is what I'm getting at. I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't the police egging them
1: (laughs) on. (laughs) Yeah, I, I haven't seen any evidence that the police did anything to incite them to do that. Now, possibly other people in the crowd were like, hey, go do this or something, who knows? But they... They definitely sort of did that of their, you know, it, it didn't seem to be a response to anything.
3: Other but, than the, the, the election supposedly being stolen. Sure.
0: Well, and that's kind of the the way the riot works, right, is that you get a few people that take a step further, and the other people are angry enough that they follow them in that step. If they were just completely calm and cool, they would just look at it and go, these guys are acting like fools. But— I mean, they traveled to D.C. for a reason. They traveled to D.C. because they were upset and there was a certain level of anger. And so you can take that and, you know, it's it's like a fire where you have kindling there and you put a, the right match to it and it will catch.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was exactly the same uh, metaphor that I was going to use in terms of, you know, you have the fuel, which is the anger that people have. A lot of that was because of, you know, what they perceived with the election. But a lot of it was also, you know, the economy being closed and losing their jobs and losing their businesses. Um, so that that's the fuel. And then you have the tinder, which is like the people who are really mad, there just ready to go. And then you have a spark. Sometimes, you know, that's, that's the police doing something for some of the people. For other people, it seems like these people just decided to do something and it's very suspicious the timing on that not to get into conspiracy theories, but this was they attacked the police line four minutes after you know the the bomb threat was discovered and the the police responded to that which is
2: I was familiar with the ones at the Democratic offices. Those were the ones where they had like there was no timer set up to them or the, or it was like a kitchen timer, but it wasn't connected.
1: Yeah. So as far as I can tell, you know, there's a report by it was like the National Committee on Firearms and Explosives or something. Basically, there was no remote detonation. The only it was real explosives, but the only detonator was like a kitchen timer. That was like, you know, an hour, two hour timer. They were left the night before, so the timing just doesn't add up. It doesn't appear that they would have exploded if, you know, they had never been found. Which... Was that true at
2: both places, at the Democratic? Yes. So they were both so the same. So they were okay.
1: both – I my understanding is they were both the same, you know, type, bomb, left by the same person.
0: And so you
2: have these people
0: that are angry. Some are angry enough to actually break through the line. You know, I've seen the footage of it. There aren't that many police officers in that line that are stopping – a bunch of people that if the people are determined they're going to get through that initial line to get into the the courtyard or the what, the capital the grounds. grounds um and so then you have a, a large number of people in the capital grounds. so what what stirs them to further anger
1: so basically you know the police are able to retreat towards the capital they get reinforcements you know they had police in riot gear who were you know standing by ready to go um, and so you know they arrived pretty quickly. they were able to sort of stabilize a line, hold the people back, and so from then on, you know, in terms of antagonizing people well they were they were throwing these flashbangs, which were exploding. they were you know going deep into the crowd, so not hitting people who are you know a direct threat to them and I can't find any announcement that they made over the speakers or the p a for like the first hour saying hey, this is a riot, you know, you have to leave. If you don't leave, you know, you could be arrested, go to prison for six months. So these people who are coming over from the Ellipse, maybe they maybe they see some of the, you know, fencing that's been pushed out of the way. Maybe they don't, but their intent is not necessarily to riot. But then they come, they get hit with a flashbang, and maybe they feel a little bit differently.
2: What happened, I mean, like... So when you're saying, th- I mean, most people's experience with a flashbang is maybe from seeing something on television. What is happening to people when they're hit with a flashbang?
1: Yeah. So I, my understanding is that they were not necessarily deploying these flashbangs how they're supposed to be deployed. So the devices that they were using, you know, they have, they had basically an explosion. You know, there's bright light, sound, some heat, and also like some, some, uh, some rubber pellets, maybe some. Um, you know, some sort of chemical in there as well. Chemical but, like, like uh, tear gas type <laughs> yeah, thing? Yeah, like OC or, or something like that, to, you know, a, a chemical irritant. So, so some of them appear to have, you know, exploded high in the air. I think that's more how they're supposed to be used, you know, then people are hit with the pellets, they're hit with the spray, you know, maybe they're deterred from whatever the police want to deter them. But there are also ones that appear to be exploding like, you know, right at head level. And so there's a couple videos uh, where, you know, someone appears to have been caught on fire by the flashbangs. You know, people were were trying to, you know, pat him down, put the fire out. And, you know, I've spoken to someone who who was saying, like, yeah, I I lost hearing. You know, that was actually a journalist because a a flashbang exploded near him. And, you know, they're they're very loud.
3: They're very what?
1: (laughs) Wow. Great joke. Great joke. (laughs)
2: too many hordes
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i mean you said that they were coming in riot gear so how much of a difference does that make
1: well if you're if you're facing people who are armed with you know flagpoles and and bear spray at the most then having that helmet having that gas mask having you know chest plate arm guards a big baton and a riot shield—that's you know, really going to help you in in uh, defending yourself from someone like that. Um, and that—that that was basically, you know, the the most that the most force that anyone used at the police was that sort of physical force. And yeah, you know, riot gear is going to make a big difference. So
0: even if there's a lot more people on the one side, the riot gear can make a pretty yeah, significant also, shift in the balance of power between those two.
1: Yeah, and also the the police sort of had the advantage of. Um, You know the the capital grounds. You know there there are staircases, there are entrances, there were you know narrow places they could use as a bottleneck to you know limit the number of people they could be facing at once, which allows them to to bring that superior gear and weaponry into action.
0: So, like the flashbangs, it would seem to me like flashbangs. They're probably trying to drive people back, but if you've got this mass of people in that. That yard, how did what do you think the police were trying to accomplish with the flashbangs?
1: I mean, I, I like to assume the best. I would assume they were trying to disperse the crowd.
0: Was there room for the crowd to disperse?
1: Um so it did get sort of um packed together closer to the front. Um so where where they were hitting, you know, exploding those flashbangs. I think there was some space to move around, but, you know, when, when you have a group of people all moving in one direction, it can be difficult to, to move in the opposite direction. So I wouldn't say it was impossible to move back like it was in other places where people were, you know, so physically packed together that you couldn't move. I don't think it was like that, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't loose enough that it would have been easy for people to disperse if they wanted to.
0: And the natural reaction is if they're throwing it over your head or they're shooting them over your head is to move forward even, right?
1: I mean, yeah, potentially. So if you're, you know, I haven't measured the precise distance, but, you know, if you're how throwing are them over throwing hundreds them? of people's heads to hit, you know, fairly far back, the so people who wouldn't even necessarily have been able to see the police line that well because the people in between them, you know, they have a flash, see something right, flying. Right, guess the boom. police aren't, like, rays. They're just it. Yeah, I mean, there I mean, were like some the different levels, but the the crowd was was right up on them. So if you're further back, you know, there's going to be people between you and the police. So what you see is you see a couple of police officers up on the next level. They have these, these like, uh, they're like paintball guns, but they ha- instead of paintballs, they have, like, pepper balls or you know, some, some sort of pellet like that. So if you're further back, you know, all you see is, you know, maybe you hear, maybe you can hear something that's going on, and then you see someone up there just shooting into the crowd, and a lot of people seem to think, oh, you know, this is, this is the police attacking us, not this is the police defending themselves.
3: But, so do you mean they thought they were being shot at with,
1: like, real bullets? No. Okay. You could see that it was a paintball gun. Okay. But people don't like getting shot with like a burst of pepper spray. Well,
0: and you also have these <laughs> these, you know, flashes and bangs going on at the same time. So, you know, they see the I I could easily see how they would see themselves as being attacked. It's easy to say, Oh, the police were trying to do this. I'm not saying that at all. I I'd question the competency of some of the decisions that were made.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it was also there wasn't necessarily good communication because I believe it was the Metropolitan Police officers who brought these munitions. You know, I think one Capitol Police officer even testified in court like, yeah, I heard these explosions, but I assumed they were like fireworks or something that the crowd brought because, you know, the Capitol Police doesn't use flashbang. So it seems like even though the Capitol Police and the Metropolitan Police, you know, sort of have some history of working together, it seems like they weren't working together. So, you know, by the time they're using flashbangs, a lot of the police officers there are metropolitan police officers. And I believe those are the ones who are, you know, deploying the munitions like this.
2: So, I mean, one of the things I'm sure that's been challenging, I know I've had conversations with you, is while there was a lot of footage taken, the government hasn't released a lot of the footage that was taken. And so a lot of the knowledge that we have of this, you've kind of pieced together kind of painstakingly from either video that individuals captured that's been made public, things you've been able to track down. I mean, there's a real issue here that, I mean, there's a lot of things you don't, I mean, that we really don't know exact details about a lot of things because, because if the government released it, the government has all there's cameras everywhere in the Capitol.
1: Yeah, and and one, one point is that it's not just they're recording it so they could look at it later they were monitoring it live and some of the cameras they could actually move around so and you know they they've released various video for certain court cases or or for their January 6th hearing to you know make whatever point they want to and in some of them you can see they are manually moving the cameras to look at well, a different you said thing. Manually,
0: but you mean that from their control room, they're re-directing yeah, they're the pushing camera. the they're button not like out there. <laughs> yeah. No, they're they're pushing their buttons, but manually to, pushing the button to, to
1: look around. So they, you know, they had every ability to, to you know, have that full tactical awareness of what was going on at at every point in every location outside the capital.
0: I think a you know point that you made before is. You, know, you have to be fair to the people it's it's when the government won't release it, it could easy it could be they don't want to show incompetence or it could be that there's actually things that they did that were terrible that they did that they don't want recorded but right without the footage, you
2: don't really know and one of the things I want to say that I heard that surprised me and I understand why it's true, but it still surprised me was freedom of information request that the, is it the Capitol police that are immune from freedom of information yeah, requests? Yeah,
1: So that my understanding is that the you know the Freedom of Information Act FOIA, basically the the Capitol police are specifically exempted from that.
0: Capital or the legislative branch?
1: I don't. I don't. Know. I think it's the legislative I branch.
0: Which. I think it only applies to the executive but branch. Yeah.
1: So so you know most 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 police departments are going to be you know in the executive branch some are sort of the legislative branch or so, some are sort of the judicial branch with like you know enforcing Sheriff's orders and, and stuff too. but you know the capitol police they report to the the legislature which is why a lot of people have blamed the speaker of the house nancy pelosi for some of the lack of preparation because the capitol police do actually report you know to congress and to that that you know, the officials that that each house appoints.
0: So from the crowd standpoint, these things are happening, and they just have a very individualistic perspective because obviously they can just know what's happening to them. But you look at the the people that are directing it, that they actually should have had a pretty good, you know, because they could see all the cameras, they should have had a pretty good understanding of how things were progressing.
1: Yeah, they should have. And they also, you know, they have – a lot more radios and equipment like that to be able to communicate. Now, in hindsight, it doesn't seem like they used those very effectively to coordinate, but they had certainly more ability to communicate between themselves what was going on versus the crowd. You know, you have rumors spread through the crowd, but those often aren't super accurate <laughs> have you ever experienced that.
0: Or even somewhat accurate. <laughs> a lot of them are just
2: flat-out wrong. You mentioned that at one point that there was probably there was at least, I think you said roughly an hour before they started communicating to the crowd to like, this is a restricted area, please disperse. Yeah. Once that started, did that have any impact on the crowd? I mean, were there people who, you know, what I mean, did were there people who said, oh, I'm going to get arrested, and they left? Or by that point, had the crowd, you know, what I mean, can you is there can you tell?
1: Yeah. So so part of it, the one point I would make is that. You know, I have found video where that is recorded, but it it doesn't necessarily seem like it was very loud. So, like, video from very close to the police line, you can, you know, sort of make out what they're announcing. But this is a big crowd. By this point, it's tens of thousands of people on Capitol grounds. And the people who are closest to the front, who would be most able to hear it, are also the people who are the least interested in obeying
0: so when the flashbangs were going off, I think, you know, when I watched the, the rough cut of your video, I think it said at one point, by this point, you know, there were a couple of protesters dead. And that kind of surprised me. I didn't realize that. So, so when did the protesters die? We hear about Ashley Babbitt being shot. But what other protesters died?
1: So the first protester who died, um, I don't think his death has necessarily been— him down like to the minute, the best information that I've heard from some of the people who are looking into that is he actually died about um, you know ten minutes after the first violence of the Capitol. So this was still when the police were when they were sort just of pushing retreating. those first barricades over. Yeah, so you know they push those first barricades over sort of quickly. The police retreat towards the Capitol. People are followed them, and so in the period while the police are still sort of, you know, forming a line where they'll settle in for the next hour. I think it was sort of in that transitionary period that the first, you know, man suffered a heart attack.
0: You said people got lit on fire, the best you could tell, that they were being patted down. Did anybody suffer heart attacks or anything else from any of that?
1: So once again, it's hard to tell. The second person who suffered a heart attack, it was a lot closer To when they started using flashbangs, which was around 1:20. So you know the the first, the first violence, you know at the the perimeter of Capitol grounds is closer to 12:50. You know 12:53. So you know about half an hour later is when they start using flashbangs, and there's video of uh of that man receiving CPR, sort of around that time. But no one has been able to pin down directly like oh you know a flashbang exploded next to him and he died and there was in the news right after January 6 people saying oh he tased himself and i found video of people saying that in the crowd so i don't know where that rumor got started but it was started by people in the crowd to the, you know to the around where he was receiving cpr so i don't i don't think anyone has been able to definitively say you know this this heart attack was because of X, Y, or Z, besides, you know, the general stress of the situation, the fact that, you know, a lot of six fifty to 60-year-old males are pretty unhealthy.
2: Yeah, and, and young still to be, you know, if you're 50.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely very young. But.
0: <laughs> and just being in the crowd was probably pretty stressful for these people. I mean, just like, you know, even the emotion, if the emotion is running towards the angers building up and stuff, I mean, there's, you know stress related to those things.
2: One of the episodes we did a couple years ago, a year and a half ago was on scandals and why scandals are good. And one of the things we talked about in that episode was a scandal is something that it causes you to trip over and it causes you to deal with it. And there's you've kind of we've kind of talked about this and I just kind of want to just bring this back in in one sense is a lot of the people that were there when they had anger and things like that it was because They were trying to deal with their view of their belief of did this, did certain things happen in the election? It was, and there are things that when people go through difficult times, what they do is they latch on to things. And sometimes they don't want to know the actual truth. Sometimes they don't want to know. And so there's this part of it where, I mean, this wasn't just stressful just because of the events and circumstances of this. There were people there who were telling themselves certain things about what was going on in the country some of them may be right some of them may be wrong their view of what the country was doing the way the country had like you talked about losing their jobs you talked about their their businesses being shut down they may have been attributing these things and blaming the wrong people for these things I mean my guess is this was a fairly this was a fairly stressful time for a lot of reasons and some of the stresses that people have in their life are because they're they're dealing with what scripture would call scandals they're they're tripping over things that are happening in their life that God has that God has caused to happen and and for different reasons and they're not dealing with it correctly i mean and so I mean i just i think that's just worth pointing out what happens a lot of times in the nation when there's these massive upheavals it's people dealing it is it is scandals and a lot of times it's compounded by the lies that people tell that really causes these it causes these really complex things to happen
0: as they're there, they're also just looking that, and I think afterwards we've really seen this, is that Biden was, you know, every, every election they say, this is the most important election ever. But with the election of Biden, there was like a distinct shift. And what I mean by that is you have somebody that doesn't campaign. You have somebody who's, who's, who's creating a generational shift towards a much more liberal position, a much more socialist position. Everything that he was running on was much more, he was the moderate socialist as a, compared to, you know, Bernie Sanders, the extreme socialist. And so a lot of people are under the stress, you know, the, what they can't, couldn't fathom is that Americans would actually vote for that. right? Because it was so contrary to their view of America. Yeah.
3: And so then the answer is they didn't, and we know they didn't, no matter what everyone right. has to say, we know they didn't.
0: Right, we don't need proof because we're sure Americans wouldn't do that.
2: Right, and I think that's. I mean, I. I mean, I, you know, and it's one of those things where I mean, as I was, when you watch what happens, your your mind gives you all sorts of theories to explain everything, and those theories. What's
0: inexplicable to you, and so when you start with the premise that Americans wouldn't do this, then you just start to grab at all kinds of other theories to go. But they
2: did or they didn't really do it. And that's the other thing I wanted to kind of pull out out, is when you talked about, like, the one guy who died of a heart attack, we really don't know what caused it to happen. Like you said, I mean, what's going on in this time period is there are tons of rumors. I mean, this is a I mean, if you look at what happened on January 6th, I would say most of what has been discussed publicly is largely rumor. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, in the sense of there's very little actual fact or desire. Like even just the fact that so little footage has been released. There's no one who's actually wanting to go. Let's actually go and look and see what happens. Instead, it's, what do you think happened? What did you hear? What did you hear him say? And What did you think about that? And what did that? I mean, these are the actual testimonies that we heard, like with the January sixth commission and things like this. So I mean, rumor of. Ab- bounds in this, and it doesn't resolve things. It doesn't cause people to be able to go, oh, now I can think about this. I mean, one of the core things we talk about is you have to know things to know how to think about it. And rumor is not a means to come to a conclusion on things. And so I just I just really want to pull that out. I mean, that is... that is, And,
0: and you just see the the hypocrisy in it, which is, you know, you look at the protesters that die of a heart attack, and they go, even though they did it on the ground they go, well, that was, I mean, that was their fault. That wasn't really related to what other people did. But then you look at police officer died two or three days later, and they go, well, that was,
2: directly, that was related. directly
0: related. And so there's just this this judgment that's coming that you don't know why the police officer committed suicide. You don't know why they had you know the stroke or whatever. But yet they're really quick to attribute those deaths. Well, there were actually deaths on the ground that I don't hear much about those. Right. And one thing that I think is worth pointing out when we talk about this is, you know, I was looking today in the Capitol Hill Police, their budget in 2020, which was the newest numbers, was like $467 million. There were only 15 cities in the United States that had a higher budget for their police department than this Capitol Hill complex in their budget. If you consider that really you kind of have to join... Washington, D.C., because it really is in the middle of Washington, D.C. Then you get down that the combined budget of Washington, D.C. and the combined budget of the Capitol Hill Police, their combined budget is greater than any city except New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. That's how much money is spent on police in that area. And D.C.'s a smaller city than those cities are. And the per capita that the Washington, D.C. police spend is the highest of any city in the country. The ratio of police officers or members of the police force to citizens is the highest in D.C. of any place in the country. Plus, then you add on another police force that's roughly the same size, slightly smaller than the Metropolitan Police in D.C. Which
2: covers a much smaller area. Which covers a
0: much smaller area, two square miles. And so when we think about this, this is the most policed area in the country by like a factor of three or four. And so when you hear about these things happening, it's kind of like, don't go if they just had more resources, because that's just not true. They had so much resources.
1: Yeah. One of the conclusions that I've come to that is, you know, a different conclusion than Most of the people covering January 6th is that it was a riot, but the difference between it being a riot and, you know, people breaking into the Capitol and, you know, preying on the Senate floor and doing all the other stuff that they did in the Capitol, the difference between that and it being just a riot, I believe, was the, the police response or lack thereof. And I believe that the police had sufficient resources on hand, not... Oh they could have called these they could have had the national guard no what they had on the grounds i believe was sufficient to you know defend the Capitol from being broken into i don't think they could have stopped there from being a riot because that that isn't really something that it's very possible for but police to necessarily there's, there's do but because there's places
0: where there's bottlenecks you can <coughs> control the bottlenecks and yeah. then you can control the riot
1: exactly and and so so it, it when a, you know going through this you know, when when I arrived at the Capitol, it was actually after a lot of this stuff had happened. It was I got there just before, you know, people broke into the actual Capitol building. So going back and looking at that footage and interviewing journalists and interviewing protesters or rioters and, and looking at the footage that had been released, you know, that, that is the conclusion that I've come to is that the police didn't seem to have been very well well led, well allocated to you know have the police officers that they had be where they needed to be to stop the capitol from being broken into which is where a lot of the focus has been of why this is you know uniquely terrible is well the capitol was broken into
0: and beyond the whole idolatry thing that that causes people to be so upset there is just the the reality is that it should have been manageable they had the resources but how much of that is they don't deal with riots very often, do you think?
1: Well, if you look at 2020 and you look at D.C. in 2020, there were a lot of riots was and that Capitol
0: Hill Police or Metropolitan.
1: Well, yeah. So there's a Capitol Police Department, which is, you know, a couple blocks or whatever, you know, the Capitol building, some of their office buildings. I don't I don't remember if it includes the Supreme Court building, but there was, there was coordination between a lot of police departments in the summer of 2020, from the Secret Service to the Capitol Police to the Metropolitan Police, to the National Guard, to a bunch of federal agencies that you probably didn't even know had riot police. They were all coordinating and working together to you know manage these riots. And the Capitol Police were involved in at least some of those, you know they had their specific area of jurisdiction um, they weren't necessarily involved in the response to all of them, but yeah, it doesn't seem like this was a unique thing that they were like, oh, we are completely unprepared for there being a riot on Capitol grounds.
2: If anything, you would say there was some degree, they, they were somewhat prepared.
1: Yeah. Now, what I would say was that over the past year, it wasn't Trump supporters who are rioting in pretty much every major American city. So I could, I could understand if the police were like, yeah, we don't really expect there to be a riot today because... Trump supporters aren't really known for rioting. There had been, you know, some violence at the the previous Stop the Seal rallies in D.C. Some of that was with counter-protesters. You know, someone tore down a uh, Black Lives Matter banner from a church and burnt it. But you didn't... There wasn't, like, the same huge masses of people rioting that they had dealt with previously in 2020.
3: And it seems like, at least from what I've heard, that they're not really... People aren't that interested in investigating like what specific, you know, decisions led to like the Capitol being broken into from the police's perspective. It's more like, oh, well, obviously this was Trump's fault, and not like, well, this was probably this should have been preventable. And so, what were the mistakes that went into contributing to make this actually happen? Because I mean, you know, it, it gets into a lot of details where small decisions can have big consequences, where failures of leadership, failures of communication, all kinds of different things end up making it. So that, you know, you and you would hope that they would even have plans like detailed plans of what if there's, a, you know, because they have all this money and all these, you know, administrators, a you huge amount of money. <laughs> they should have some pretty clear plans about what we would do. So did they not have plans? Did they just not follow the plans Were the plans bad? I mean, it seems like these are questions they should be able to get answers to. But I don't I, I haven't heard at People that interested in this. Yeah, well, that's s-
1: one of the things with the January 6th committee, you know, when they sort of announced some of the stuff they were. <laughs> They were planning sort of a two track investigation. One track was, you know, investigating Trump and how he's the most horrible person ever. And the other track was investigating, hey, what went wrong with the, you know, with with the police and with with that side of things, law enforcement and their intelligence and their preparation. Turns out all the hearings. (laughs) Yeah, all the hearings were on, oh, Trump is an insurrectionist and all that sort of stuff. They didn't really focus as much. I'm not sure if they even included it in their final report. You know, I think I think it was sort of you know quietly made public some of some of their findings, but but yeah,
0: even they, when they kicked the people off the Republicans, I mean the Republicans were arguing that they were going to ask questions about that. I mean that's why like Jordan wasn't allowed on there and stuff. So is it they were insisting that Pelosi be be questioned because she did have responsibility? So did. Yeah, Mitch McConnell did, too. Which, I mean, of
3: course, I mean, that's somewhat uh, political theater in the sense is. that they're not going to be – I mean, they have a responsibility. Maybe they made mistakes. Nancy but Pelosi is the leader of SEAL yeah, Team 6. We yeah, all know exactly. this. She's well, not the one – I mean, <laughs> Well, what's interesting
1: is that those Republicans who they didn't let on the committee, they actually released their own report not too long ago where they got text messages and emails where the Capitol Police – were coordinating directly with Nancy Pelosi, even at one point where they told told one of the senior (laughs) staffers, hey, act like this is the first time you've seen this when we, you know, present it to, to a broader group. So there does seem to be some nefarious stuff that was going on. Now, what the purpose of that was, who knows?
3: I'm not saying she didn't make mistakes, but there were. She was not the only one making mistakes. You know, Pelosi and McConnell. I mean, oh, there definitely were, not. A lot I mean, that's, <laughs>
1: look. Defending the Capitol is not Speaker Pelosi's primary responsibility. There the are no officers, longer. Officers, yeah, former Speaker, if you want to say that, <laughs> there were officers and officials. That was their primary responsibility. Is. Running the Capitol Police, heading up the Capitol Police. There's not just like the chief of the Capitol Police, but there's a Sergeant at Arms of the House and the Sergeant at Arms of the Senate. So you know, maybe Pelosi made some some bad decisions, but like, yeah, that isn't her primary responsibility. And didn't people but, resign
3: afterwards? Or get fired? Yeah, so afterwards? the chief of
1: police resigned, the sergeant at arms of the house resigned, the sergeant at arms of the senate resigned. I think some of the other Top Capitol Police leadership resigned as well.
0: I mean, I mean, but one thing with Pelosi is that that what is valid to investigate is were political decisions made. Not that there's any punishment for, but it's useful to know that, you know, because what a lot of the, the Capitol police that I've heard, you know, the things, the rumors, it's probably fair to put them in the category of rumors is they were really concerned more about optics than about safety and that could be the judgment that they go trump supporters don't riot
1: not just rumors that is from a report that the government accountability office did they surveyed uh, i think something around 300 Capitol police officers um, most of them who responded to the riot and they asked them sort of an open-ended question you know is, is there anything else you want to share with us? And a lot, and a lot of them responded along the lines of, "Yeah, we felt like the Capitol Police leadership didn't want us to use force, not necessarily even specifically about this this event, but in general, they they didn't want them to use force even when it was legally justified because of optics." And I think, um, you know, one thing one thing we do know is, you know, like. The letter that the mayor Bowser released, the the mayor of Washington DC released on, I believe it was January. 5th, it was before the riot, and it was basically saying, "Hey, you know, this is this is the National Guard that's going to be deployed. You know, it's I think it was a couple hundred. They don't have any weapons, right gear, anything like that. They just you know are doing like some traffic control and stuff like that." so that, you know, other officers are free to to focus on other things. And she was saying basically like, hey, you know, over the the past year, there have been complaints about, you know, all these different agencies, you know, responding to riots and there's confusion and like, oh, if you see an officer, you know, can you even tell who they work for? And so, you know, as the mayor's office, we're we're trying to make sure that, that we have a handle on that and that, you know, we're we're doing that coordination to, you know, ensure that, that these concerns are being dealt with. So it almost seems like they were responding to legitimate concerns where you know you have an officer in riot gear, if he doesn't have any any labels on his equipment of what department he works for, you know, how how do you have any accountability if he if he does something wrong? Um The police will hold each other accountable. They implemented that at like the worst possible time of like, yeah, we're going to sort of hold back on the cooperation because we don't have this whole accountability thing worked out. But you, I mean, that is a piece of evidence where it's like, okay, this was not, you know, you know, no one was, was trying to cover themselves because this was issued before January 6th. So if you're looking at motive, yeah, I think there is more likely motives of, yeah, we don't want optics, we don't want, <clears throat> we're we're listening to the complaints of the citizens of D.C. because the mayor of D.C. is listening to the citizens of D.C., not listening to the people who are coming from all over the country to join this Trump rally.
0: And I mean, one thing with that is that, you know, I do think it's probably that, you know, certain groups come, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, they expect there to be riots, and they didn't expect it in this case, but But that's a really big mistake because it's acting like that—that the you know the conservatives they're these moral people that would never riot and that's just not true.
3: I mean, wasn't even wasn't the news saying that they're going to attack the Capitol or something beforehand? Wasn't that yeah? But the the news news lies. But you would think that they would that they would not like dismiss it completely because it was the their their favorite media outlets were all saying this.
2: I think there's a part of it where I mean this is this is politics at a certain level and I think if you're Nancy Pelosi or you're some of these guys your job is to feel like you have a finger on the pulse of where groups are. And so I do think there's a part of it where they're not they're not going to lean they're not going to follow anybody else's understanding because I think they feel like their understanding is good enough. I mean and I don't I don't even mean that in a derisive way. I mean there's this part of it where that's kind of what they do. It's kind of their job in a sense to kind of be able to tell if you can't But don't you, know, you
0: think they have enough of an understanding to understand the breadth of it, right? I mean, they I, they I think, do things that they that it appears to me that at certain times they're intentionally trying to stir up the nutcases. Sure. And so they they get down to that, but in general, they also know that that there's a broad swath of people and you could, you know, you misread 0.01% and all of a sudden you have Two hundred thirty thousand people. But I think <laughs> that they tell themselves.
2: I think they tell themselves lies too, just as much sure. as we do, you know. And so yeah. I think there's a part of it where the, they they believed their own lie, their own characterization of the They're right.
1: And I think one of the lies they believed was that people riot because there are police officers there. So if you have less police officers, then they won't riot. Which can be true in some cases, but I don't think that's a general policy of, well, if we don't send out any police officers, then no one will riot.
0: But that's also the that's also the standard way, well, I'll just give it to my child and that will make my child behave better. It just doesn't work. But that's kind of the same thing, right? If you give them everything they want, then they won't do anything bad. It works well, <laughs> up to the point that they want something. that you know, Right. That, and yeah. sooner or later, they hit that point because they keep wanting more. So you can... You know, the police retreat all the time and just let you know, turn the city look at Portland, Oregon. They just turn the city over to the to the rioters all the time. And so, you know, it doesn't work very well, but I can believe that they believe that yeah, they're they're triggered by the police and they believe the rhetoric of their own stories that they're telling to the media. So you have like the the Trump supporters, the conservatives going out there and and, you know, all of a sudden rioting. And the other thing to remember is that the the police officers are human too. And some of them were put into pretty bad situations. And you know, I remember the video of the police officers that are right next to where Ashley Babbitt's breaking through the door. And I mean, there's people that are very angry, very violent that are like, you know, sl- slamming their fist into the door that's next to their head. And then you have other guys like the guy that pushes the guy off the stairway. I think you the arrived
2: there, the police officer that pushed the guy yeah, off the, the stairway. police
0: officer that pushed the guy off the stairway. I think you arrived there right after,
1: yeah, so I so when i when I got there, one of the first things I saw as I got closer to the capitol was a man, you know, an unconscious man being carried off on an improvised stretcher, and people you know, someone who was looking at him and saying, like yeah, he he broke both his legs, you know, possibly. Possibly a back injury. He looked unconscious. Other people have said he looked pretty blue. And you know, I didn't know what happened to him at the time. But you know, I find out later there's videos where a Capitol police officer just sort of pushed him off the staircase. Now he was he was climbing up the outside of a staircase like children like to do, and you tell them, hey, get down from there. (laughs) You could hurt yourself. Yeah, you could hurt yourself. And, yeah, this this man definitely was hurt when the police officer pushed him off.
0: But, I mean, it doesn't seem like there was much justification for the police officer to push him off. I mean, arrest him, sure, but push him off didn't seem like it was very justified. Yeah,
1: I mean, I would consider, you know, if you have a something like a two- to three-story fall, I would consider that lethal force. And, you know, that that's not justified unless the target is, you know, an imminent danger to you or someone else. Of you know using lethal force, so you can't can't just escalate like that if there's no if there's no just cause.
3: Okay. And there wasn't. And was there like a whole crowd of people rushing up the outside of the stairs? No, most of the people were on the inside
1: of the stairs. So the police was line, line was holding himself, people right? back. But this one guy who was like you know inching along on the outside, there wasn't like a whole bunch of people inching along on the outside. But there were people pretty close that you know the police on the staircase were were trying to keep back.
0: But it even seems like I mean there were people that were down at the foot of it too, right? I mean a a guy falling, a hundred and eighty pounds or whatever, falling a couple stories on somebody. I mean you're also not using lethal for, even if you intended to use lethal force, you're not using yeah. it in a very well, wise there, way. You could really hurt somebody directly. Below. Okay, there the were police.
1: So the police line. On you know below was sort of you know further out. So th- so where he fell, like w- there weren't people in that area. The police were holding them back.
0: But I think you think that the same guy may have the same police officer may have punched somebody earlier.
1: Yeah. So so basically they were halfway up the staircase, and the reason why they were halfway up the staircase was at the bottom of the staircase about um, twelve fourteen minutes earlier. You know, they had, the police had held the same line for a while, you know, after they were able to, you know, sort of form a line back at the Capitol, you know, there's sort of, you know, two big staircases leading up to the terrace. They had sort of held the same line. You know, the police had actually been moving their line forward. But at the bottom of that northwest staircase, this officer, you know, he's wearing a a blue motorcycle helmet. He has a black balaclava on, pretty distinctive. You know, he's like talking to someone and the person turns away to leave or to, to walk away, and the officer like shoves him as he's turning to go away. And then you know the person doesn't just take that sitting down. He turns around and then it turns into a whole scuffle with everyone getting involved. and you know the police end up retreating up that staircase. And then after they push the guy off, they end up retreating the rest of the way and just sort of uh, abandoning the defense. and that's when people are able to go up to you know undefended doors like the senate wing door and that's that's the first door that they they bust through and get into
3: so was it so the retreating all the way up the stairs was connected to pushing the person off
1: yeah so they're they're holding a line halfway up the stairs they push the person off you know he's carried off people start throwing some at the police and then they retreat the rest of the way to the top and then they just sort of leave
0: when you when you do violence to people their response frequently is not to flee it's to get angry and to attack which is kind of what happened in both cases and so so some of the stuff when you talk about the riders and i'm not blaming it on the police but the police have bad actors the conservatives have bad actors the liberals have bad actors it's 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 human nature there's they're sinners and in any of those groups their political positions don't stop them from being sinners and they're their training, because a lot of people go, oh, if they had more training, that doesn't stop them from being sinners. You get put people in, in difficult situations, and they do stupid things. And that doesn't make them innocent either. That doesn't mean that the, the government should just overlook the fact that the guy pushed them off the stairs. But it does mean that, that, I mean, we need to be realistic about how people act.
2: I mean, the other part is when you talk about them being human is when you look at police officers, a significant percentage of police officers are conservative. And so there's a part of it where some of the police officers felt some level of connection to the people who were there protesting that day. And you can even see that at some of the points, at point, you know, where when you get to the point of doors being opened or people being let in, you can see some of the interaction. I mean, there's a part of it where police also understand if they don't have enough people, the best thing to do is to not be violent and to not have this action because you're going to cause there to be other violence. But you do just see some actions between people that are borderline camaraderie. <laughs> You know what I mean, and so i mean there's there's this and that even and there's even senses where police officers might be tempted to sin because of that camaraderie if you're being told to hold a line for the good of peace and order and you don't want to hold that line because you're going these guys aren't going to do any harm you're you're kind of supposed to do your job as well, you know what I mean, and so you can even have this case of. This causes them to sin against the crowd or sin against the, the job that they're supposed to do, which adds complexity.
0: But I think so often in these situations that the answer is, "Oh, if we just had better training," and training doesn't fix people. I mean, it can help if you if you don't know how to respond. Training can give you ideas of how to
2: respond, like with the flashbangs. Training <laughs> might have been able to help right. with the flashbangs, maybe. unless
0: they were throwing the flashbangs because they were angry at the crowd and right. that they, and so training. People think of it as this solution to everything, and so often it's not much of a solution because the people, they had ulterior motives already.
2: When you go to your children, the question is, is how many times are your children sinning because they didn't know, legitimately didn't know, or is it because they wanted to sin, and they can use the excuse when they say, oh, I didn't know that, and you know they're lying. It's just another lie. I mean, people are exactly the same way.
0: But you look at their budget, and it's hard to believe they didn't have any training that they wanted them to have. I mean, their budget per person is just ridiculous in the, in the, you know, Capitol Hill, or the Capitol Police force. And then there was one incident that you, that I saw that you, you know, can you describe where the guy opens the door? The police officer opens the door.
1: Which door?
0: <laughs> the one where where he's letting a few people out, and then like hundreds of people come in.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. So so a lot of. A lot of the Trump supporters have the impression that the doors were opened from the inside. And this is somewhat accurate. But the important part to note is that most of the people letting people in from the inside were Trump supporters who would come in through that first door. But there is one exception where it was basically the police opening the doors from the inside. And that is the, the Upper West Terrace door. So, you know, there's a big terrace on the west side of the Capitol um, and there's a door in the middle. And so there are, there are protesters, Trump supporters, rioters, insurrectionists whatever you want to call them. They're walking through this hallway on the inside of the Capitol.
3: And how did they get in? They, they entered in door? through the,
1: the Senate wing door, which is, you know, the first door people busted into. So, you know, people had busted out the glass, kicked open the door from the inside. So that's the door. It seems like at least I haven't been able to say for sure, oh, every single person entered in through this door. But I've been able to identify a few, so I'm pretty sure that's that's where this group had entered in through. So they're walking they're walking through the hall, and you know, there's there's sort of a hallway that goes from the main hallway these people are walking through that goes out to, you know, an exit on the exterior of the Capitol, this this upper West Terrace door. So the police officers are in there. They open the doors on the inside of the hallway and they're trying to get people to leave the Capitol, because you know they're wandering around in the Capitol. The police don't want them wandering around in the Capitol. So a couple people listen to the police, but not really most of them. Most of them just keep doing their own thing, wandering through the Capitol. But the couple of people that do, you know, they go down this hallway to the exterior door, they go out. Well, guess what? The people uh, outside, they're like, oh, people are coming out. That means we should go in. And so, <laughs> so the police are like, oh, maybe we should do something about this. Because I don't think they were necessarily intending people to come in when they were trying to get people to go out. Because obviously they are trying to get people <laughs> to go out, not come in. So they, so they go, and you know there's like five of them, and it's a pretty narrow hallway. So they, they physically block the hallway so people can't come in. And then they just sort of move out of the way and let people come in. And then they block the hallway again and then they move out of the way again. And it ends up like, I counted, I believe it was over 300 people entering through this door. Now, no one pushed those police out of the way. No one broke down this door, unlike other doors, where they did smash the glass or or kick open the door. And so here, it's like, there wasn't violence at this particular location. So depending on how much you wanna impute to an individual what other people did, you know these people did walk in where the police let them enter.
2: did that one come up in a court in a case where someone was charged? was that there was one area where someone was actually using a defense so that they were yeah so
1: that was a different door okay. but that you don't have that to. was yeah, that person was let off because the the judge said, "Well, I don't believe you, but you know it's it's not beyond uh, a reasonable doubt that you didn't believe you were being let in so I'm going to." find you not guilty because it's possible you believed you're being let in, But that right. was a different door. I'm not sure if they've even charged a lot of people who went in this upper terrace door okay. because I think they would be much more successful in making that argument.
3: Do we know any police officers were there on the, at the Capitol?
1: Yes and no. It's sort of well, approximately because I think the Capitol police have said, well, a lot of people, a lot of our officers who clocked in that day, we're not really sure where they were. But so the police officers, <laughs> the Capitol Police Officers, what is it? I think they had something like 1,900 sworn officers. I think they had a lot fewer there that day. I want to say it was under a 1,000, but it was definitely in the hundreds. And then they also had a lot of Metropolitan Police Officers who had arrived, which those, a lot of them had... Had some some sort of riot gear because that was kind of you know why they were ready to go. But so, you but
3: that sounds like enough people to block all the doors pretty heavily and have a lot of extra people available to deal with people wandering the halls. If that's you what I recognized. would think,
1: but what they did was, if you remember back, you know <laughs> f- you know five ten minutes after people assaulted the. Capital piece of the perimeter. The police retreat and form a line, sort of at the base of the staircase on the west side. And when they get reinforcements, they keep feeding them into that line. So the so their best armored riot police and stuff are all kind of pretty far away from the Capitol. So when people break in, their their best armed officers are all they're all kind of far away. They're not where me. they need to be to defend the capital. So
0: when they they had that perimeter, were the staircases that they went up then outside that perimeter where they were pushed back?
1: No. So when they formed their main line, it's sort of like between, like the staircases were sort of the ends of the line. So it right. stretches. So basically, the, the people flank
0: them essentially.
1: Yeah. So they retreat up the staircase, and so yeah, that that sort of flanks the main police line, which is still sort of below on the, the lower plaza.
2: I mean and like if I was if you give me a number of maybe how many police officers made up that line are we so talking about So I want to like say
1: and that main line that those that was, that was uh, had a lot of riot police and stuff was like 1 to 200 Okay. So there were hundreds more officers and like I said it's not clear where they were or what they were doing necessarily.
0: I mean one of the saddest stories that I saw there was the the woman who was basically trampled to death. Possibly. So can you tell us what happened there.
1: Yeah, so that was about 2 hours later. So
0: 2 hours later from
1: what? From everything we've talked about. You know, people okay, busting okay. into the Capitol. So capital. that
0: was all a pretty short period of time. Just like, like around 3 you're talking like Yeah, that so
1: this is like I think 4 to 4:30. Okay. All right. So, you know, a lot of the so you know they, the the Capitol was first broken into, the first breach of the Capitol, the center wing door was around 2:12. Okay. 2:13. So I believe this was closer to four, four thirty. Um, so this is in what's what's referred to as the tunnel. And it's not like underground or anything. It's actually like a story or two off the ground. But it's sort of like uh, you know, a hallway that is an entrance to the Capitol. So a lot of a lot of the the violence and stuff actually happened there. I'm not sure exactly why it became such a such a hot spot. Um, because that's that's not where people ended up really breaking into the Capitol en masse because the Capitol police successfully defended it. But yeah, so basically the police were sort of <clears throat> as they're shooting, they're sort of forced back, you know, further into this tunnel, and then as they're pushing their way back out, you know, they're they're trying to clear the tunnel. Um, you know, they're they're deploying these it's some sort of chemical agent or irritant, but sort of in the, in the enclosed space, the tunnel. You know, the people have described it was very difficult to breathe, and so the police are pushing people out. And there's like a couple steps up to you know where the, where the actual sort of tunnel or, or it's like a long hallway basically, right. and so the, apparently they are they are pushing people. And this goes to the outside. Yeah, they were pushing people down and so it ended up that there was like a a pile of people, you know, that other people outside were trying to, you know, help people get out and it ended up, you know, that <clears throat> basically, you know, when when they're able to clear this up, get the people up, you know, there there's the body of this woman on the ground. So it it seems the, the, so, so here's what the medical examiner said. What the medical examiner said was that it was an amphetamine overdose. But a lot of people have called that into question, given the circumstances. You know, there are all these people pushed together, sort, maybe sort of being trampled or just crushed. And, you know, this, this chemical agent that, was, that they were deploying, that you know people were having trouble breathing in this enclosed area say hey we we really doubt that she died of an amphetamine overdose even if she did you know she she what she did have some you know drug in that category that she was prescribed for her like adhd or something so, so how old was this woman um i want to say late 20s or early 30s so her name was roseanne boyland since this was like where the police line were you know, there, there's video the Capitol Police are fighting, you know, basically literally over her body as she's laying there motionless. You know, there's one video where, you know, a Capitol Police officer is swinging like a, a piece of wood. And, you know, she actually hits Roseanne Boylan multiple times as she's laying there on the ground. And they weren't providing medical aid. And, the you know, the protesters are trying to either get her out to, you know, get medical aid or get the police to do it, and yet it ended up that they did... I think they did end up doing some CPR, but, yeah, it was, it was unsuccessful, and, and she ended up passing away.
0: So how many people died at the Capitol that day?
1: So at the Capitol, four people died. You know, there was a, the, two, uh, the two gentlemen who suffered heart attacks. There was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by a Capitol police officer, and then there was Roseanne Boyland, who... You know, died in this tunnel, supposedly, of, of an overdose.
3: And all the Capitol Police officers whose death had been put on it, it was, none of those were on the day. Those were all later. So,
1: so Brian Sicknick, who is the Capitol Police was officer closest to dying. was the one was No. That was, the to dying. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was, was
0: clearly false. That was so, the rumor.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, he's the one closest to dying on the day. So, as best I can tell, he had a stroke that night. And so he didn't die till the next day, but I think he was basically comatose by the end of the day. So there, you know, it there is some evidence that he was hit with some, some spray. Maybe it was from rioters. Maybe, you know, he caught some backdraft because there were certainly some scenarios where the police were spraying or deploying tear gas from a canister or something, and the wind was blowing it back into them. But you know the medical examiner wasn't able to find any link between any chemical agents and it's a stroke, or a normal response physical to damage, that? and his death. I don't know. I haven't really heard of that. I I'm mean gonna my understanding is that it can be somewhat stress related or possibly some some underlying medical condition. And then you have two police officers who committed suicide in that same month. Um, I believe you
0: mean in that month of January not within just a few days but after
3: January so one,
0: 6th I believe January one 6th. was
1: on like January 9th and then I think one was maybe a week or two later if I remember correctly so at least one of those like he had been hit in the like the head with a pole or something and apparently he had severe neck pain and you know what the family was saying after he committed suicide was that you know, if they, they hadn't diagnosed or treated him properly. Um, and then there's two more suicides that have been linked to the Capitol riot because the police officers had responded, but they were in July, and there doesn't seem to have been any connection. Um, but, yeah, I think it's sort of dubious to to sort of link any suicide because that's sort of a decision You're that the you ones. make when you commit suicide
2: and it starts to be i mean the reason why there's complexity in multiple levels is because if the family can link it there's times where they'll certify that the person died in the line of duty which will and cause i think this was like
1: the first time they had really done that right <clears throat> i believe i know at least one of the officers they were able to get you know the the line of duty benefits and, and, it, uh, should, and it
3: should be the opposite if anything opposite of what no I mean it's you know it's I mean it's suicide should be discouraged not encouraged right yes
1: yeah I'm not sure they're encouraging suicide no but no no but
3: making someone into a martyr when they choose to kill themselves it's not saying kill yourself but it's in it's encouraging it
0: right and if they're saying your your family will get the greater benefits because you'll be called said to be in the line of duty so if you were thinking about committing suicide and then you go to a riot someplace and then you commit suicide and say, hey, this will help my wife out. Right. right. So it, it does
2: encourage it. I don't see how you get. And my guess is that that's why the policy it. in the past has been what it's been. I mean, the fact yeah. that this wasn't normally done, I, I'm, I have no doubt that the police force are very aware of this effect. I mean, it, this, is, because, this, this right. is politics that's being that's going on.
1: Yeah, and but that I think mean, some January a 6th, standard that then gets carried forward. Yes. Some of the January 6th defendants, you know, at least one is coming to mind, have you know committed suicide as well. So it's like, well, well, some of them. It's also they decided to commit suicide. Right.
2: I mean, the other thing I wanted to pull out is when you were talking about, I think it was Roseanne Boylan. I mean, this was the this was the case. This was where you tweeted the other day. You were kind of you were publishing where you had looked at the data and you were saying there were people who were saying that the officer had killed her.
1: Yeah, by hitting her with a step.
2: Right, and you were pointing out that, I mean, the evidence does not suggest that the officer killed her. The evidence does not suggest that the officer behaved in a responsible <laughs> manner towards right. her. But, I mean, but and this is this is one of the things that really, I mean, as we're kind of talking about these things, is people want there to be, they're mad at what the government did. And because they're mad at what the government did, they want to focus down, and then they want to say, this officer killed this person, and then they... and. The truth is more complicated than that. And it does – I mean, like you said, the police have already inv- have already investigated the officer involved and said that her actions were appropriate. Well, I mean, if she's taking a stick and hitting someone who's unresponsive, that's an odd act. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I so mean, you got Somehow they problems.
1: investigated all the uses of force on January 6th and found that they were all justified, every right. single one.
2: And so – but, I mean, as, as Christians – it's real there are times where you know you can pursue a you can pursue a false idea of justice and we just we really need to care about the truth i mean this is really the reason why there's the reason why 2 years after having done this why we're still talking about it is because there really hasn't been that much truth actually brought out there there's a ton of evidence that could be brought out there's a ton of data that could be made public and people could actually start working through it but that's been prevented
0: and hey I mean the the whole idea of FOIA right I mean the police historically and police haven't been around that long but historically the police they always protect their own they always do because they go I could be in that same situation and I could lose my temper because the guy and the guy's there and I could push him off and I don't want to be charged with murder So the reason that you have all this FOIA stuff and the reason that you have, you know, civilian boards that oversee these things, the reason that we put all this structure in place for all these other police forces is because people understand how it works. The police officer always, always their their biases is towards that other police officer. So when they do these investigations and don't let anybody know other than the police, they're always going to get off. This is just how it works. This is why... Why cities don't do this, but yet the Capitol Hill police yeah you know, the the Democrats and the Republicans, it's both of them. They go, This is okay. They passed a law and said this is okay. And as Christians we should say we need light, not darkness.
2: And the current speaker has said that he he has said multiple times that he's going to release the footage. And I hope he actually does what he says. I hope he actually stands by it and actually does it because people say they're going to do things all the time. And Trump so, I mean, said he
0: was going to declassify a whole bunch of stuff that he didn't declassify.
2: Right, and um, he could do I'll it instantly. It when I see it. We, I mean, there is a part of it where, like, we were talking about the authority. We've we have forgotten how power and authority works. And there, I mean, the reason why these guys are immune from a Freedom of Information <laughs> request is because the because the legislature said. We're not going to be passing
0: sub- this for the other people and not for us,
2: right? The legislature understands that their power is vested in them. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, so there was a part of where when they hire the police, the police know they report directly to the head of the parties. They direct they directly to the way the parties have structured their power in the in the in the Congress, and so. I mean, I just think we we have forgotten how those things work. We are for, and but Nancy Pelosi hasn't forgotten how it works. The current speaker she has not. exercises it all the time. They have not forgotten how it works. They actually understand it, and so I mean, I, I I do think there's a part of it where we're we're very willingly naive, which is why we get tossed around with a lot of these rumors because they can say things and people go, oh, that's true. There's all this, you know. Nope, they can. They really right. can do these things.
0: McCarthy's goal is to have the legislature look good, right? Don't forget that. He's protecting the institution. Yes. They're all more interested in their institution than they are in the American people or the American government. Not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And we should have no expectation, I mean, that McCarthy would do anything if he thought it would hurt the institution of the House of yeah, Representatives. I, mean, I don't
1: think McCarthy necessarily wants there to be video of all the senators and a lot of the representatives running scared down the hallway. Right. Because it doesn't look good for them.
3: He just needs to make sure they filter out McCarthy from the video.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean like the 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 January sixth committee released like one like two second clip of Josh Hawley running across the hallway and you know, like that that made it on television and stuff because they were, you know, trying to to mock him or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I think there is stuff in there that McCarthy potentially wouldn't release. I'll be
2: surprised if he releases
1: I'm in January.
0: And, I mean, let's be serious. There were four of them that were hustled down into the room. I mean, he was in the room with Pelosi. So they, you know, he wasn't – I mean, and it could look pretty embarrassing to have a group of police officers surrounding you, pushing you down the yeah. hall. And which they is... don't want
1: people to know where their secret bunkers are. And I don't know if any of that, you know, people would be able to figure out that from the, the footage.
3: I think they're near the Capitol.
1: Yeah. In D. C. Or where Pence actually was, because they've said he was in the restricted area. Some people might doubt that.
2: But you could <laughs> easily say there are certain cameras you're not going to allow people. You know, they're ca- you know yeah. y- there's a whole yeah. bunch of cameras. The you problem
0: is, is that what they do is they say, we can't release footage from this camera, and then they release footage from the camera when the footage is beneficial to them. Right. And that's what the American people need to stop accepting and just go. You need, to, you need to release it. You need to cause this stuff to be in the light. We need to know what happened. Because until then, both sides will use it just as a political pawn. Yeah. And actually knowing what's happening is how you actually deal with it. So we kind of talked about that the police were violent. But when you were in the Capitol, did you see violence among the protesters themselves? Because part of my point is, I think both sides, there were people that were bad actors. And Breaking in the Capitol has its own problems, but, I mean, there were people that went in that were protesters that went in to do violence.
1: Yeah, so I saw violence outside of the Capitol. You know, people were – what I saw from where I was was people sort of throwing objects at the, these police officers that were defending the staircase, and then, you know, they were treated. And when I was in the Capitol um, in the – I'm trying to remember what the room is called. Basically, it's it's not the rotunda. It's the basement under the rotunda. So it's a round room, a bunch of pillars holding up the rotunda and yeah, yeah, I, I did see violence in there. Um, but it, it was sort of, it was, it was a strange dynamic because, you know, for every person I saw trying to be violent, there was someone else trying to, you know, protect the police officers, but protect them as long as they weren't in the way. So they're like, kind of like shuffle the police officers to the side and be like, okay, you're, we'll make sure you're safe over here and you're safe as long as you're not in between us and wherever we've decided that we want to go. It's did see, you know, one situation where there's, you know, an officer with a rifle. He looked like he was about ready to start shooting people, and the Oath Keepers were sort of trying to de-escalate with him and de-escalate with the people who are mad at him and sort of, you know, stand in between. Um, so, yeah, that, that was one situation that I witnessed. And, you know, I also witnessed... You know, where police and twos and threes were just, like, moving through. Like, excuse me, coming through. Not like, oh, we have to fight our way through because. And so people people weren't, they weren't attacking them them as they walked through sometimes. Yeah, that's, you know, when I saw them walking through, I didn't see anyone attacking them. But I had seen people attacking them earlier. So it was, like, sort of this. this And part of it
0: was when they were trying to when they were trying to exercise authority by creating a line, you get yeah, violence. So if you're like, just walking through – so they weren't – you weren't seeing people that they just wanted to attack the police for the sake of attacking the police. <laughs> it was that they wanted to go where they wanted to go.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's what it seemed to me was that, like, you know, most people weren't harboring specific animus to the police so that they would just, you know, attack them. But then when they were in the way, there was a section – Of the crowd that was willing to use violence to get them out of the way
0: and like other other riots that you've witnessed like in the the summer before or whatever I mean in those cases there were people that were going to attack the police and were doing it to attack Um, the police would you say not
1: I would say they were more what I saw was mostly more um vandalism where they went out there with you know cans of spray paint or crowbars and smash windows and spray paint and stuff i think most of those demonstrations were small enough that they even if they they hated the police they couldn't get away with just outright attacking the police
2: i mean one thing that I, i can't remember i think you've said this before but what if you're looking at like the rally and the number of people that were at the rally, the Trump rally over at the Ellipse or whatever, what is what percentage of that group of people actually went over to and went into the Capitol? You know, what I mean, like, um, I, mean, I mean, and I so, don't know your best guess. So it's numbers.
1: hard to say. You know, I would, I would say my best guess of the the total crowd size was somewhere between fifty and a hundred thousand. Other people have higher estimates. I think the lower estimates aren't really credible. There were definitely tens of thousands of people. On capital grounds, in terms of people who went actually went into the capital, I think it was around one to two thousand, maybe one to three thousand. I'm not sure. I've seen you know precise numbers. So yeah, so I don't. I think a, a large percentage of the people who are at the Olympics ended up making their way to the capital at some point over that period of time, but a small percentage actually went in and an even smaller percentage, you know, were, were violent or. or
0: right. So if like you that. take both high estimates of a thousand 3000, you're talking 3% of the people went in. And I'm not saying that it's not somewhere around. I'm just saying that you look at the numbers and you're talking, you know, 1% to 5% went in or something. Okay. People want to use what happened on January 6th for political purposes. As we think about it as Christians, we should just recognize how easy it is to get caught up in the situation. You see the police did it, you see the, the rioters did it, the protesters did it. It's just so easy when you're moving with a group of people to end up doing things that you wouldn't do any other time. And so one of the reasons to consider it is to see the whole scope of what happened so that we can think about what would we do if we were in similar situations. And there's a a verse in Exodus that warns about this, Exodus 23, 2. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. When you follow a crowd, it's very easy to start to do the things that the crowd's doing and go beyond where you want to go, whether you're on the side, a crowd of people that's trying to stop it, or a crowd that's moving forward. So we should always be really careful to walk in the light, walk separately, walk in obedience to God and not follow the people around us because as Christians we are called to be holy, we are called to be separate we are called not to follow the crowd thanks for joining us
2: This has been The Conquering Truth a project of Reformation Baptist Church If you found this helpful you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app